Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Lee Cantor here with Stone Payton, another episode of GSUENI Radio and Stone's one sounds like it's going to have a little international flavor. Well, it does. Is it seems like the whole day has got to have a bit of an international flavor. So I think that's our theme for the day. First up in this episode, please join me in welcoming to the broadcast Department Chair, Department of World Languages and Cultures for GSU, and Director for Center of Urban Language Teaching and Research here at GSU, Dr. Bill Nichols. Good afternoon, sir. All right. Thank you very much for having me. Great to see you guys. Well, uh, Bill, before we get too far into things, tell us kind of in general terms about the World Languages and Culture Department. How are you serving folks through that? So we're an academic department here at Georgia State University, and we offer a number of languages um, and a number of subfields within those languages. So we offer things like Spanish, French, German, uh, Korean, Chinese, um, and then within those those languages, we have faculty that specialize in applied linguistics and cultural studies. And we offer courses that focus on business, that focus on intercultural competence and and things like that. So um, a wide range of languages, a wide range, wide range of fields, and, um, and with a focus on uh, really endowing our students with a kind of global mindset that prepare them for careers in a, a, a range of fields after they graduate. So now, how do you all play with the GSU ENI folks? So this is a recent collaboration that has uh, developed. Um, I had coffee recently with the director, and we talked about kind of different ways that we could connect and collaborate and interface. And and we've started doing a, a couple of of public facing events, specifically tying um, kind of the study of culture and language with entrepreneurship. And so one, one event we had a few weeks ago was something where we co-sponsored a group of Cuban entrepreneurs who came to campus and talked about some of the difficulties that they face in Cuba and how that's different from kind of what entrepreneurship looks like in the United States and, and, and what kind of avenues are open for collaboration between students at GSU and, and students um, and entrepreneurs in other parts of the world. So now, how do you feel that GSU does in terms of kind of the international um education and the different avenues that there are for a student to pursue, uh, at least some globalism. Well, I think, I think we do a pretty good job, but there's always more that could be done. And that's kind of where I feel our department plays a vital role is, is really rethinking and reimagining what that looks like in terms of any discipline, either, you know, our department is housed in the college of arts and sciences, whereas the is in the Robinson college of business and and so for us, thinking beyond the limits of the humanities or the, the the College of Arts and Sciences, and really think of how we can interface with other units in other parts of the college, uh, in the university, as, as well as connecting with community partners and, and stakeholders in the city of Atlanta. Uh, what's but, an example of a community partner that you work with? Um, there's a small car company in town named Mercedes Benz. Yes, I've heard um, of them. They are a key collaborator with us. They're a sponsor of a of an event that we organize through the center um, that's housed within the department. There's an event that we organize in October in the fall called World Languages Day, where we bring roughly a thousand high school students to campus to talk with businesses, organizations, government agencies, and, and whatnot. 
about why they need to study language and culture and how that affects their career after graduation. And Mercedes-Benz has been a consistent sponsor of, of that event and has a very prominent presence there. Now, um, maybe you can educate the listeners somewhat about how international Atlanta is in terms of the diversity of a lot of uh, companies that are global companies have a presence here to some degree, and there's so many um, consulates. Well. Yeah, I mean, if um, listeners don't follow the the online publication Global Atlanta, they definitely should, and it gives them a it'll give them a really great window into everything global that's happening in the city. I mean, you mentioned a number of uh, the the number of consulates that are here, as well as a number of international companies. It's also important to remember that any any company, even a, an American based company, is doing international business. No matter how big or, or small, even a small sized company is going to have to be thinking of supply chains across borders and kind of international connections. Um, you know, I spoke of World Languages Day. There's one company that I won't mention the name of, but we've tried to recruit them to come to World Languages Day, and they said, "Well, you know, we're we're not an international company; we're a domestic company." Um, and and I said, "But you you know, your your client base is going to be." diverse is going to be multicultural and your your uh, employee base is going to be international and multicultural so it's it's important for you know people who you're trying to attract as employees to be thinking of those international skills and the the the, the ability to work across a diverse diverse team so now from a student standpoint why do you think it's important for them to get involved with the world languages and cultures department well you know I, I think for for me, like it's important for you know my numbers and, and credit hours and whatnot. No, I, I understand them, that, but for them, the to have this kind of background and this understanding about the languages and the cultures of other countries, why right. do you think that a, a person going through college, why they should have absolutely think that's important? Well, you know, one of the things when we're talking with students uh, that we hear is, you know, they'll say, "Well, why why should I study a language or why should I study cultures if I'm not going to live or work abroad?" And as we've really done a lot of outreach to these community partners, especially in industry, you know, what we hear from them is what they value are, are students who have this empathy for diversity, who have a sense of intercultural competence, um, who are self-starters, who are self-disciplined, you know, who, who simply well, put, work well with others. And that's exactly what we give students. And so what I tell them is, you know, we're preparing you for life after Georgia State in any kind of career field. And so, you know, and, and at the end of the day, I think studying a language or having this kind of global mindset and a wide view makes society all the better. Now, I uh, understand that. And I appreciate that. But what about what do you tell that student that maybe went through, um, you know, elementary, middle school, high school and took, you know, a language for all that time and still doesn't know anything, you know, like it's it, they see it as more of. I'm just checking a box that I had to do this rather than really learning the language or really even understanding the culture somewhat. Right. Well, so one, one thing that we're trying to do is through this center, uh, the center for urban language teaching and research is connect with those K through 12 programs and really try to build this K through 20 pipeline. But I think with the, that question of, you know, the complaint that, well, you know, I studied this in grade school or high school and I did, it never stuck. Hey, I, I just remind them, you know, let's remember that it takes a long time to learn a language. 
And often there's, there's not very many elementary programs and often students have studied this in high school and they're not doing it on a daily basis. So we, let's be a little more forgiving of ourselves and, and our teachers, I guess. And, 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 you know, remember that it takes a lot of time to study a language and to learn a language. And, and often we get caught up in, well, you know, we need to be at this level of fluency that is like a native speaker, which is often, I mean, it takes decades to perfect that. So, you know, and, and I think uh, as I talk with students, they realize they, they know a lot more and they remember a lot more than they think they do. It's like it's in there, uh, but it does take daily practice, um, you know, kind of like math or, you know, some some other kinds of disciplines where you can't cram it. You need to like an hour in a week. Isn't going to, that's right. It's so, not going to work for language. Exactly. And and at the end of the day, what they need is a kind of um, immersive experience in the country, in the culture. And so that's another thing we've really expanded our study abroad offerings to give students those opportunities. And we're working on uh, fundraising and development to provide scholarships for students to go abroad um, whether it's uh, to Morocco, whether it's to Spain, Latin America, China, or Korea, or wherever, France, we're working on ex- uh, ex- exchanges with um, universities uh, throughout Europe and France, uh, Francophone Caribbean countries. You know, the, the, our main goal is to give students that opportunity to really get into the language and the culture and and hone those skills. Because yeah, an hour in a, an hour a day when. 23 of the rest of the 23 hours of the rest of the day are in English. It just, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard. It's a steep, it's a steep hill to climb. So now, um, do you think that that's kind of part of the secret sauce of GSU, this kind of having this emphasis on, uh, the global community studying abroad world languages, the international business school, the business, uh, kind of curriculum that you guys have, is that some of the parts of GSU that makes it different than maybe other colleges here in Georgia? I, yeah, I think that's a really uh, keen observation. I think the you know one of the things that we've tried to do. There's an event that we do once or twice a semester where we c- connect students studying languages, GSU students studying languages, with international students who are here from abroad studying English, and say, well, you know, let's have a conversation hour where they're able to meet people from other cultures and other languages and a practice their language skills, but also just develop that human connection with people, people abroad. But I think you're absolutely right. There's a certain kind of advantage that GSU has over any other university because of our urban setting, because of the kind of students we have, you know, we have a number of students who come from very diverse backgrounds, um, linguistically, um, regionally, internationally, and and that gives our students this really wealth of diversity in any any of their classrooms. Well, tell us who you brought. So I'm here today with uh, Dr. Shui Lee, who is our Director of Undergraduate Studies in the Department of World Languages and Cultures, and Dr. Hakyun Lee, who is an Assistant Professor in Korean in our department. Well, welcome. Thank Hello, you. Thanks for having us. So uh, how'd Bill do? <laughs> Very well. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> So what's your take on the program? Uh, the program of uh, our department, right? Uh-huh. Okay, yes. Yeah. So we are currently offering three BA programs and two MA programs plus a um, graduate certificate program, interpretation, translation. And we offer eight minors in certificate of language ability plus a joint degree program with the Department of Economics on campus. 
Now, um, how do you see the student progressing through this program? Is this something that you want them to have a, a to learn this other language to help them in their career, or is there actually a career path like you mentioned, translation? Is this for the person that wants to be a translator? Or, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, try very hard to not just to do the theoretical part, but really to emphasize the applied part throughout the years um, through our curriculum. For example, um, um, in our fourth year language courses, there's a component I think that we have across languages will be the uh, languages for international business or language for business or language for international economics program. Um, those courses are taught in the target language, but we emphasize the connection with international business or uh, business community. So now in these programs, are they mostly, is the emphasis on the language part or the culture part? It's both. I think the language and culture cannot be separated. We emphasized integration of language and culture from day one. But it's always in the language that they're learning? It's it's not English and the language that they're learning? Mm, yes, correct. Yes. So then they have to have, they have to be pretty good at it in order to no, you know, people always think language and culture is kind of separated as culture as something add on once you get a certain level of proficiency, which is not the case. There are many things that you can do with, you know, to talk about a culture, even though you're in the elementary level classes. For example, greetings, right? How do you greet appropriately uh, in a target language? I'm teaching Chinese. I can speak of Chinese. Give you one, just, just one simple example, right? So in, in China, people greet, uh, greet each other. Uh, especially close friends or close colleagues around lunchtime, dinner time, by saying, which which is roughly translation to English as "Have you eaten?" This is a greeting um, in in China, but in America, I guess it's a more of an implicit invitation to lunch or to dinner, right? Right. So being able to really understand how to greet is very simple, like a Chinese one-on-one type of thing, is key, right? Right, because you don't want to create misunderstandings. Um, when you communicate across cultures. And then um, the student that comes into the program, are they uh, people that don't know any Chinese at all, or can you go into the program knowing no Chinese? Sure, absolutely. We offer from first-year Chinese, um, I mean, across the different languages, the same, right? right. right? Um, with absolutely no knowledge. So like no nothing. Yeah. I don't know one word, and I can go in and, and then go through the four years. Absolutely. And then at the end of the four years, what's an, a reasonable expectation of success? Well, of course, there are individual differences, right? Sure. And there are differences across languages, uh, to be honest with you, right? Chinese, Korean, Arabic will be more difficult and takes more time than Spanish or French and German, for example, right? Mm-hmm. But um, but in general, we, we, um, uh, we aim for a intermediate high advanced slow uh, this range according to the, the ACFL um, standards. And then um, is part of going through the program, will I go to this country and spend some time there? Because I would think that accelerates the learning. If I'm there for a month or two, then I'm going to, it forces me to use it every day and, and kind of... Oh, absolutely. <laughs> As Bill just mentioned, we offer um, eight summer study program in addition to two spring break uh, study abroad program and a couple of exchange programs. Those study abroad experience really accelerates their language proficiency development. Now, one of the tricks is that many students think, oh, we should go to the target country from day one, which is not something that we normally recommend because once you're in a target country, you want to maximize your learning experience, right? If you're going with absolutely zero knowledge, 
How, how are you going to? You're you know, overwhelmed. Exactly. So we typically、um, recommend our students to go after taking at least a one year of courses. So that way you have some foundational understanding. Exactly. And then that probably now you can accelerate the learning because you already know something. Exactly. Exactly. Otherwise, you'll be the same. You know, classroom. The only difference is going to be it's in another、China、country. Or, exactly. <laughs>、right. yeah. So now,、uh, Hakun. Yes. Uh, your work is mainly in Korea. Yeah, I'm co- coordinating Korean program at at the department. And then,、um, so how is that program? Well,、oh, this program is、uh, one of the fast growing programs in the department. So I started to teach 2013 with 50 students. 50, 50. Yeah, 50 students, two classes, two sections、uh-huh. uh, of the beginning classes. Now we have、um, about、uh, 200 per semester.、Wow. Yes. Why do you think that a, is? Why? Why、um, the big increase? To be honest with you, K-pop is a big <laughs> K-pop.、Hit. Yes.、Really? Yes. That's a bridge you, for the young people. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I ask students the, their motivation to start、um, the learning Korean, and many of them, you know, answer that they start to love in、uh, K-pop from their high school and middle school, and once they join、uh, college, they start to learn Korean.、Um, so, so now you have a degree in K-pop. They, you teach them to be K-pop <laughs> that performers. That is great idea. On that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and another reason is that we have. Many heritage、uh, Korean students.、Um, f- oh, so their backgrounds a,、mm-hmm. Korean, so they want to learn more. More Korean, like the the learners that you mentioned, like they studied in you know Saturday schools in their、right. you know, younger years, but they want to learn more about it. So I think our、uh, departments offer the different level of the、uh, language learning、uh, opportunity, like a study abroad or internships. So they really、um, intensify the student. So、learning. now, how does an internship work in in the language? Does that there? Am I going there just to learn as a tourist, or I, is there kind of a business component where I am doing an internship and I'm doing work in that country to learn about that? Any, well, I mean, there, there's different models for internships.、Um, You know, we've had some students through Spanish, for example, work with、uh, the U.S. Department of Commerce, and so they may or may not be using their language every day, but they're using some other kind of cultural component, or they're、mm-hmm. using some knowledge that they've acquired. We had we've had students working as interns with the、um, Latino Democratic Caucus、um, just up the street here. So the, it could be with a government, with a business, uh, French students working with the French consulate. Uh, or with the,、uh, the Quebec Trade Office, and so it, it, a lot of times students will get caught up in well, you know,、uh, should I be?、Uh, I want a job where I'm using my language every day. So one of the things is okay. Well, there's the language component, there's the cultural component, but then there's all these other soft skills, you know, that now we're realizing aren't so soft that they're the kind of core skills that. A business is looking for an employer. Right, it's relationship、for. building,、mm-hmm. and that's the key to build、yeah. rapport and trust and、yeah. likability, so that they can do business successfully. Exactly. And so, for example, the the message we're trying to get to students is like, the, the, don't only think of this in terms of language or even cu- culture.、Um, and so, one thing we we've done is we developed a, a speaker series where we bring alumni back. We call it speaking professionally. So we're talking about professions. We're also talking about speaking languages. And so this year we had a student. Who was a French、uh, BA and minored in marketing, and now works for IBM in Austin, Texas.、Mm-hmm. And and he says, you know, what he does, especially with this Scrum model where there's these small teams, he says, I'm constantly working on communication skills, 
upward and downward and across the team. Um, another student was a BA in Spanish and an MA in Spanish, and she now works for NCR. And so, you know, they, these are two tech companies, and but they're hiring humanities majors and specifically people with language skills. Um, and then the other student we invited this this fall was a German major who now works for a consulting firm connected with Porsche. So, you know, these are really big name companies. And so students can hear and they're, they're seeing themselves in these alumni who are recent alumni and saying, God, you know, that could be me. Um, I didn't realize that I could do that. And, and so they may not have connected the dots. Maybe that's a misconception. They think that, oh, if I'm going to get this degree, then I'm in this kind of a lane. Exactly. Where in actually, it's more broad than than they anticipate. Exactly, and and specific the the student in Spanish when she came, um, she said, you know, people kept telling me, well, the only thing you're going to do with that major is is teach or translate that language. Right. And she says, no, I'm going to do whatever I want. And so I think one of the things we're trying to do with students is also educate them about when you go to a networking event or you go to a job interview. Here, how do you tell the story of your language uh, background? How do you tell the story of your study abroad? And so there's another student that is – so we've recently formed a, an advisory board of alumni and friends of the department. There's one student who came and spoke to a class to my class this fall and said, I didn't do an internship. My study abroad, she did a year in, in Spain. She said, my study abroad was better than any internship because when I'm in an interview – and they ask me about my internship and I tell them I, I did a year long study abroad. They put their pens down and say, tell me about, tell that. Me about that. I right. wish I had done that. I right. really regret I didn't do it. And so it's this really unique part of their, pro- of the student's profile that speaks volumes about them as human beings and their experiences. Now, is that um, part of your work in the, as the department chair that you have to get the student to maybe think bigger than they are thinking? That they see it as, uh, oh, I'm just a blah, 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 or I'm just a German major. They're not seeing that all the tentacles that are connected with that. Well, exactly. And and, and, I, and I appreciate that you use the word tentacles because I often say that, you know, as a language department, our field is not defined for us. We're not, say, psychology or philosophy or applied linguistics. We're, we can kind of define our field for ourselves. It's, it's a mix of various subfields. But what's key for us is to be tentacular. And I use that word. So I'm really, I really appreciate that you said that. See, it's we tra- all the pre-show research that we do. Sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and so we try to kind of insinuate ourselves into other disciplines. Say, look, you know, so we work really closely with um, the Creative Media Industries Institute. You know, you joke about a major in K-pop. We're actually talking with the CMII about uh, some kind of joint degree possibilities that would connect Korean specifically with software development or media development. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a, a BA in K-pop is not out of the realm of possibilities. Right. But so, that, now say that was to come about now, how does your department, how would you make something like that come from an idea that's thrown on a whiteboard maybe to, okay, let's, what do we have to do to make that an actual thing? Well, and, and so this is kind of where, you know, I've talked with faculty in the department and, and other um, departments across the country about how as language departments, we need to be entrepreneurial. So this is one of the kind of really interesting points of connection that we've developed with the ENI is, you know, we're thinking of, well, okay, what are the ways that we can break the mold and say, okay, we, we have this crazy idea. How do we take it from a concept to reality and, you know, almost as a project, you know, a, a kind of business project, right? And so 
you know, it starts with uh, faculty and, you know, identifying, well, okay, how can we identify the core skills? What are the classes they would need? And, and at the end of the day, it's again, building relationships and having these conversations. So talking with people in CMII or talking with people at ENI or reaching out to other departments saying, what do you think of this? And then identifying who are stakeholders, who are partners, and then just kind of map it out and, and of course, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be a several year process. It could be two, three years. And so, and Hakun has already identified some external funding to help support this so that we could build out because we would need to hire faculty and things like that. So, a choreographer, there's a lot of work to be done. For that uh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So now, uh, what's your most rewarding part of the job for you, of seeing that light bulb moment happen for the student when they see that, hey, this is bigger than I imagined it could be? Yeah, for me, it's all about the students. For me, it's seeing students come to, say, World Languages Day, and and the, this all of a sudden their eyes light up, and they hear about possibilities that they had never dreamt of, about going abroad or career options that are open to them that they would never even have imagined for themselves. So that's, that for me, whether it's undergraduate or high school students, for them to see these connections um, is, is fantastic. How cute yes. for you, what is the most rewarding part? Oh, I, I think the student growth um, is, is very uh, rewarding part. So I really enjoy um, communicating with the students and uh, learn their needs and uh, to meet their needs to provide some, you know, additional courses and, you know, projects and resources. That, that's, I think that's the most rewarding part of my job. What is the moment like at the end of the semester when someone graduates where you're high-fiving? What is that, what is that action that the student's doing that makes you all say, hey, we did it. That that was mm-hmm. a success. I think the continuity of language study, and then to observe that moment is very good. Like a student finishing their you know fourth year, and then they not you know, and then graduate, they don't stop learning language, but they go to um, you know the student who went to study abroad. I would say eighty percent of them going back to Korea again for their job like a teaching job and some other uh, jobs. Right, so you can see that what the yeah. foundation that was built is kind of gone full circle. Like a lifelong learning yeah. of right. the language. I think that's very, um, um, yeah. I agree. I think, you know, seeing, because I have a student now who's, she went to Spain on a, an exchange program that I, I direct, and she graduated and then moved to Spain. Mm-hmm. And we've had students who have studied Chinese and moved to China. And so yeah. they're, they're, world just gets so much bigger and that's that's a beautiful thing mm-hmm. yeah so now how does gsu kind of uh help in that regard uh like how does okay i'm a student and i go through the program is there stuff that gsu is doing i know that they make the study abroad pretty affordable like it's you're paying a lot better nope. pricing to go through study abroad mm-hmm. than if you were just call up and make an airline right one of the example can be um the study abroad fair we have a two study abroad fair um like a big event university-wise mm-hmm. study abroad fair uh two times per year and then um for the fair students get the information about study abroad not only the program but there are lots of um, scholarship opportunities, what they can apply for. And also we invited a student who went to study abroad. To talk to, about their experiences. Yeah, to share their experience. That was great. Yeah. Now, is there any alumni that have made reach back out to you after they've completed and talked about the value of the program? Absolutely. So we, we have this 
um, speaker series I mentioned before, but then um, we've developed this advisory board because of alumni who have stayed connected with the department and have these ideas of how they could help mentor existing GSU students and, and how they could kind of give back to GSU because they feel they've received so much. Um, so th- th- this is, for them, it's more than just an undergraduate education. They feel that a deep connection to the it's university. It's a sense of community, I Absolutely. Think. Now, do you find that, um, Shway, in terms of your group, that the, they kind of support yeah. each other beyond, even after they graduate, they yeah. still stay connected? Yeah, absolutely. We uh, maintain connections with our graduates through um, social media. For example, the Chinese social media WeChat. We have a group of uh, 50, 60 students. Many of them are graduated. Many, several of them are working in China now. Now, some of them are coming back and trying to recruit our current students to work in China. So I think that's fantastic. Right. We're creating a platform and to foster communication among our graduates and the current students. Now, uh, Bill, how do you uh, protect against kind of these groups being siloed in terms of, okay, the Chinese people are hanging out with Chinese people, the Korean people? Like, So how do you do things to kind of get them all? That's actually an excellent, excellent question. You've you've done fantastic research (laughs) um, because one of the things that is often um, a challenge in a department like ours because of the diversity of fields and the diversity of languages is the, the question of how do you hone a common vision for the department. And so that, and that's something that has been an ongoing conversation this year in our department meetings, um, how we can kind of connect. So it isn't the, the Chinese is isolated from Korean or Spanish or French, but there's a common enterprise amongst all of us. Um, and one of the things that we've come to is to think about, about kind of this intercultural competence and when, what that means and what that looks like and how it benefits the students and how that's, something that we all do in, in various ways, whether we're in applied linguistics or cultural studies or Spanish or French or, or German, you know, we're all focused on the students um, kind of developing a global mindset and thinking and about how that can impact life after graduation. Well, good stuff. Now, if somebody wanted to learn more about the Department of World Languages and Culture or the Center of Urban Language Teaching and Research, uh, the coordinates, websites for each, either of those. So the, the um, we're on the on the website. It's wlc.gsu.edu for the department, and then for culture, it's cultr.gsu.edu. And so there we have information about programs, curricular offerings, uh, degrees, and whatnot. But we're also we also maintain a pretty steady presence on uh, social media, specifically Facebook and Instagram. And especially on Instagram with the center, that's C-U-L-T-R-L-R-C-G-S-U. LRC is a language resource center that's funded through the Department of Education. But we have a number of kind of um, postings on Instagram that are language-related puns. So if you enjoy puns and you enjoy languages, you'll enjoy a lot of the Instagram posts on on the culture profile. And for the department, it is GSU uh, WLC for Facebook. And for Instagram, it's WLC GSU. So there there you can find information about upcoming events, speaker events, um, recruitment events, etc. Good stuff. Well, thank you all for sharing your story today. Thank you very thank much you. for having yeah. me. 
All right, this is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on GSU ENI Radio.